this message that I uh, that the Lord has put on my heart tonight. Um, it, it's not a typical message I would preach to adults. It is a uh, it is a what I consider a youth type of a message, and I I don't really know why the Lord has me preaching this. It's not really in the direction of the songs we were going, uh, and it is not really. Um, I, I can't explain why other than I know this. When God tells me to do something, I want to do it. Um, so I want to mind the Lord tonight. I am mindful of the time, and so I will respect that with you. And I believe the Lord has us to go in a direction. Maybe it's, maybe it's for one person here tonight. Um, but we're just going to mind the Lord. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, and there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, and the name of the one was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. Uh, in the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, uh, the Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left of her, uh, to, and he, she was left and her two sons. And they took wives of the women of Moab. Uh, the name of the one was Orpah. And may I say this by way of uh, just some information for you. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, many of you know who she is. Most everybody knows who Oprah Winfrey is. Oprah Winfrey was actually supposed to be named Orpah from the Bible, but her mother got it wrong, or they got the spelling wrong, and so her name became Oprah instead of Orpah in the Bible. And uh, may I say this, in that instance, the Bible was perverted, and she has been perverting the Bible ever since herself. And by the way, if you don't believe that, she, she was, she, before she came to Chicago, uh, the Bible, a man stood up to her and she came to Whitley Phipps, who he's known for his version of Amazing Grace. And he stopped her. She was walking away. She came to hear him speak and she was walking away. And he said, stop, young lady. He said, God is going to put you in front of millions of people. When he does, you better give him the glory. And to find out years later when she said, I can't serve a God that the Bible would say that our God is a jealous God. And what a shame it was. But Orpah, the Bible says in the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about 10 years. Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. What a tragic story this is. Then there, she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people, giving them bread. And of course, she sends word over there and she tells her daughters in verse number eight, and Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house and the Lord deal kindly with you as he hath dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that he may find rest each of you in the house of, your, in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them and lifted her voice and wept. And they said unto her, uh, surely we will return unto thy people. And Naomi said, turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet, sons, uh, more, yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? And she goes in and says, listen, I'm not going to wait. You're not going to wait for me to have other sons and for them to, to, to grow up and you, you be able to have another husband. And she said, oh, you tarry for them while they were grown. But then in verse number 13, she said this, it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back. And, of course, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here, going back to uh, their uh, gods. And she, Ruth says to her in verse number 16, where you go, that's where I'm going to go. And where you lodge, that's where I'm going to lodge. Your people are going to be my people, and your God's going to be my God. And she said in verse number 17, only death is going to part us. And as they came back, the Bible says they began to recognize her and say, is that Naomi? And in verse number 20, it says this, they said to her, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty had dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me back home again empty. Why call you me Naomi, seeing that the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? And Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we look into the word of God very briefly here tonight. But Lord, I believe this is a people who didn't come to get out, they came to get in. But Father, I pray that you would calm my mind and make me laser focused on the message that I believe you would have me to preach tonight. I don't understand why I'm preaching it. I don't, I don't get why I'm preaching it. I normally would not preach it in a situation like this. But Lord, I, want, I believe this is what you have for me. And if it's not, God, I promise you halfway through this message, I'll sit down and I'll shut up. But God, I believe this is what you have for us, and I, I pray that you would do a work tonight. 
We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We are looking at a story here uh, very quickly. I'm going to be very quick in the introduction of this story, but we are looking at a story about two people that decided one day, the Bible says they were from a city known as Bethlehem, Judah. And while they were living in this city of Bethlehem, Judah, the Bible says there became, there came a famine in that land. And while there was a famine in that land, the Bible says that they took a journey down to a place called Moab. Now you understand the Bible has nothing positive to say about the country of Moab. Uh, We know that Moab came from the relationship of Lot, I believe, and his daughters, if my memory serves me right, from an incestuous relationship. We got the Edomites and the Moabites, and God has nothing good to say about the country of Moab. As a matter of fact, I believe it's in the book of Psalms where God said, Moab is my wash pot. It's the place of filth. It's the place of dirt. It's the place that when everything's washed and it's, it's kind of like the, the catch-all and the, and the place you wipe your feet on the rug later and, the, and, and just the filthy and refuse of it all. He said, that's what Moab is. And in the midst of these people being amongst the people of God, them being Ephraimites and, and them being of Bethlehem, Judah, them being God's chosen people, they made a decision one day that affected their lives. And you and I today, as we rejoice about being saved and we rejoice about the changes that God has made in us, and we have started on this journey of faith, we have started on this journey of of, of that brand new story, and hopefully our kids will be saved like your kids were saved at an early age, and they come to know the Lord. And many of you began to walk with the Lord several years ago, and I know we have seasoned Christians in here that have been saved 50 and 60 years, but most of us probably, if I were to guess, we've probably been saved in the last 15 years and you began this faith journey and you began amongst the people of God and you began to walk amongst the people of God and talk amongst the people of God and you've been in services like this man you just know God's here you know he's here and you knew he was here last year and you knew he was here two years ago when all out uh, as far as salvation goes people were getting saved and people were walking the aisle and man it was it was it was unbelievable I mean almost 40 minutes straight of people walking the aisle and getting saved it was an unbelievable time and you know that you begin to walk with the Lord and you begin to trust him but as you and I know the Christian life is not always peaches and cream. The Christian life and church fellowship isn't always what we got to enjoy last night. It's not always cheesecakes and cherries and and all those goodies and just everything's going great and man, everything's fine. Sometimes trials come in and the drought comes in and there begins to be a famine in your Christian life. And what you do in that moment and what you do in those type of moments will determine what happens for the rest of your life. And if you are not careful in those times of famine, and listen, I praise God, man. The preacher teased us tonight. He said, I'm not, he said, I'm not, I don't mean this in a negative way, but he said, we didn't need the quartet tonight. And I believe that, man, the waters were already stirred by, from the, our first choir song. Man, I'm going to tell you, we have services like this, and man, we, we, sometimes we get to the first song at our church, and I'm like, all right, I've had church already, man. The water's been stirred. The waters have been troubled. Man, I was there near it, and I got some help already. But inevitably in the Christian life, it's not always the shouting service, is it? It's not always a sweet hour of prayer, is it? It's not always, as we say back home, you're not always riding on the good ship lollipop. And in those moments, and in that moment of their lives, Naomi and Elimelech got together and they said, honey, why don't we go down to that country called Moab? Why don't we go down to the Lord's wash pod? Why don't we go down to that incestuous nation, that nation that was born out of the incest of Lot and his backslidden family? Why don't we go down to there? And I've seen many Christians come out of a service like this and we're shouting the victory and we're praising God. Or maybe you were raised in an atmosphere where they were praising God and man, they they sent you a Christian school but at some point in there there began to be a famine in that land you took your journey down to Moab maybe Moab for you was I'm just going to lay out a church for a few weeks maybe Moab for you was just I'm going to stop tithing for a little while because I have some financial troubles 
Maybe Moab for you was, you know what, I, I think I'll take my kids out of the Christian school because, you know, finances are tough or, or they're kind of having trouble already and I'm going to decide to go down to Moab. Maybe the Moab for some of you is returning back to a bottle. Maybe for some of you, Moab is going to a, pill, uh, to a set of pills in your home. Maybe for some of you, Moab is going back to that old crowd again. Maybe for some of you, Moab is getting back into your car and turning back those old music tunes that you'd be able to listen to and stoke the flesh again in your life. I don't know what your Moab is tonight, but I know this. If you decide to go to Moab, it will cost you more than you ever thought you would pay. You're going to lose more than you ever thought you'd lose. Tonight, by God's grace, for the next 20 minutes or so, I'd like to preach to you a message called What You Lose in Moab. What You Lose in Moab. And I don't know why the Lord has this preaching this message tonight, but maybe there's some young person here tonight that's like the scripture says, they're in that valley of decision. And they, have, they I mean, one step and you're into the world. One step, you're in the old crowd. One step, you've lost your purity. One step, you've lost your sobriety. One step in your family, maybe you're a middle-aged person and your family's out of church. And one step, you're back to that bottle. And one step, you're back to the pornography. And one step, you're back to the bitterness. And one step, you're back to a non-church goer and one step you're back to doubt and fear controlling your life can I say to you this morning this evening if you decide to go to Moab you're going to lose some things that you never thought you'd lose so why do you preach to a crowd like this, Brother Allen? We're mostly adults. Well, can I tell you, there are adults all over this nation and all over my nation and all over our type of churches, independent Baptist churches, and over our church too. There are adults by the droves that are turning tail and returning back to Moab from which God saved them. And if we're not careful, you and I, even in our older age, oh my soul, I've seen men in their older age or ladies in their senior years of their life when they should be giving their lives to the Lord and they begin to be distracted by other things. They begin to be distracted by money or fame or friends instead of staying planted where God had them. And I tell you the first thing that you lose in Moab tonight, you lose your faith in Moab. Say, but I'm going to lose my faith. Yes. Do you understand where these people lived? These folks that went down to Moab, they came from a place called Bethlehem, Judah. Does anybody know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. Does anybody know what Judah means? means rejoicing. The house of bread and rejoicing is where they came from. Say, what does that mean? Why did they leave Bethlehem, Judah? Because there was a famine in the land. They left the house of bread Because there was no bread. But the very one who named that city the God of heaven had promised that he was going to take care of his people. Can I tell you, when you and I get a little bit backslidden, when you and I are in that valley of decision, what we find out is we begin to lose our faith in the God of heaven. We begin to say, God's not able to take care of us anymore. We begin to, I know my son, I wish I didn't have examples like this, but I can remember being in, and singing in, in church and we used to sing with a trio of men in our church. And I remember those boys in that trio and one of them was about two years older than I was and it was me, him, and another one of our teenagers who, who's a member of Pastor Bishop's church now. And we got up one day and we sang, now don't try to tell me that God is dead. I just talked to him this morning. Don't try to tell me he's not alive. He lives within my heart. And I mean, we know that song. 
It's literally called, don't try to tell me that God is dead. But you see, what happened to him? He got to the place in his heart and his life where he decided he was no longer going to stay in Bethlehem, but he was going to take his journey into the far country of Moab. And the first thing that happens is you begin to doubt the God of the Bible. There are some of you that are sitting in church tonight with a Bible in your hand, with the word of God in your heart. Maybe you sang in the choir. Maybe you sang in the ensemble. But right now you are teetering on the edge of going to Moab or not. And I'm saying you tonight, you have a faith in God right now, but you have no idea how you're going to doubt when you decide to go in the other direction. Well, I believe God's going to take care of me. It's hard to believe that God's going to take care of you when you're running from him or when you're blocking out his preaching in your heart. They lost their faith. If they had any faith in God, they would have just said, man, God's going to take care of this. God's going to take care of this. And I tell you, one of the first indicators in my life when I'm having a spiritual trouble, it is my lack of faith in God. And the reason why I fret and the reason why I worry and the reason why I say, oh, well, he's, what if he can't take care of us here? What, if, what are we going to do? What if we starve to death? What if the bills aren't paid? Well, listen, do you have a God that's big enough or not? And those of us that listen, I just want to be faithful to him because he said this, Brother Jake, when he comes back, the number one thing he's going to look for is, can I find any faithful? Yes. Those of us that maybe tonight, maybe you're the one person I'm preaching for. And maybe you're that one tonight that nobody else knows. Nobody else would look at you and say, man, I think she's ready to leave the church or I think he's ready to tap out on the will of God. I think that teenager over there and maybe you're the best kid in the youth group and nobody, nobody would suspect that you're the one and nobody would suspect that you're the lady because you're a pillar of the church and man, you've been in a good place or maybe you're even a pastor or a worker in the church and nobody suspects that you're the ones that are struggling. But if we're not careful in our hearts, we're going to go down to Moab and begin to doubt and lose our faith in God. But not only did they lose their faith, it's so tragic because they lost their future. They lost their future. You know, some of us tonight, you you have no idea what God wants to do in your life. Sure. You have no idea the plans that God said, I know the thoughts I have towards you. You think they're angry, but I have thoughts of peace and joy. And he said, I know what I have for you. And God's going to, God's, listen, he wants to give you that ministry. He wants to bless your family. He wants to, hey, make you a family that loves the Lord. But because of the decisions that we make, because of us going in a different direction, or because of us getting ahead of God, we begin to go to places where God never intended for us to go, doing things God never intended us to do and it cost us our future say how'd that happen they went down to Moab and they never thought they would lose their boys not too many years later both her sons are dead and she says there's no more hope anymore And how many of us, we're on the edge of forfeiting the will of God for our lives and we're on the edge of forfeiting something in our lives where God's trying to give you a future. You young people, you better understand this. You have no idea the plans that God has for you and the decisions that you make right now. You can either say, yes, God, I want to do your will or begin to turn your face toward another place and begin to lose the future that God has for you. You understand God may have a husband there or God may have a wife there. But if you decide I'm going to go down to the country of Moab, listen to me, you may lose your future. How many pastors do we know that we could read off a list of names that have forfeited their future because of their going off into sin or selfishness? And God help us all to stay away from that country of Moab. I have no idea what God's going to use me to do. I have no idea the plans that God has for me. But I know this. If I decide not to do his will, if I decide to go away from where his provision is, if I decide to go away from the perfect will of God, it may cost me my future. Mom and dad, before you throw in the towel, you better take a long look at those babies down the road from you. Before you decide, because it gets a little tough, that you're going to hang out at church and you've got young people in your home and listen to me, it may cost you your future. 
Some of us, I mean, we could, I mean, we could literally, I just see names right now in my mind that young men that should be preaching the gospel. I could think of a young man who went to school with me. who was a bus kid, just like I was. And he got in trouble in our Christian school because of his own decisions, because of his own choices. He got in trouble in the Christian school. And he was going to be punished for his choices. And he said, he said, I'm out of here. I'm sick of this life. At the time, he lived with our pastor's mother. His own family had abandoned him. And he lived with the pastor's mother. And on that day, I remember watching him as he walked away from the church. And he took his shirt and he popped the buttons off of his shirt. Several weeks later, we found his Bible in a trash can over in the park near the church. And he took his journey over to Moab. And while he was in the country of Moab, he decided to move back to Chicago near his family. And there was a fight going on outside. And he came outside and he had a, he had a little pistol. And his cousin was fighting somebody and he, he pointed it towards that guy's arm. And when he shot, it moved and adjusted. And he hit that fellow's collarbone, near his collarbone, severed a major artery to his heart. And he died within seconds. And that young man... Went to jail. He will be, he will literally, I think he's, I think he's for parole sometimes. It's been at least about 20, over 20 years, almost 25 years that he sat in a prison cell. See, we were raised in the same church. We rode the same buses. As a matter of fact, we lived about a 10 minute ride away from each other. And he used to knock on my door in the summertime and say, hey, let's go soul winning together. But one of us decided we're just going to stay. We're just going to stay in Bethlehem. And one of us decided that we're going to Moab. And I remember one time I was at the pastor's home and he called the home and he said, he said, listen, he said, uh, you know, he said, Calvin, is it, he didn't recognize my voice right away. And he's like, Calvin? I said, yeah, that's me. He said, man, what have you been up to? I said, man, I've been serving God. I've been to Bible college. I'm home for the summer right now. I'm on break. And I didn't have to ask how he had been. And he said, you tell them. You tell those young people that it's not worth it. And I'm here to tell not only the young people in this building, I'm here to tell husbands that are on the edge right now, it's not worth it. There may be a pretty face over there in Moab. There may be some nice perfume over there in Moab. There may be some intense feelings and emotions over there in Moab, but Moab is never worth it, and it's going to cost you your family, and it's going to cost you your kids, and it may cost you a ministry. It may cost you your life in some instances. See, it cost Willie everything. Not only did he lose his faith, not only did they lose their future young people, boy, I watched those girls sing Sunday morning, and man, it just, it just, and it was just overwhelming to watch those girls sing. They did a good job. Don't get a big head. (laughs) Oh, you'll look like me. (laughs) But uh, man, my heart was warm because I remember, I remember being, how old are you? 45? No. And uh, I, I remember being, I got saved when I was 11, her age. She said she's 11. I got saved when I was her age. And I remember getting together with our Overcomers afternoon program for bus kids. And I remember singing up there. And man, man do, you, do you have any, do you, I, and I know you don't, you, you don't you, we don't think this way. But do you, do you know God has a plan for you? Do you know that? Do you know, do you know God could use you? And man, we have no idea how God's going to use this girl or the other young lady that was here. But I know this. Y'all have probably picked up a lot of kids through the years that have gone to Moab. And young lady, you better understand this. As sure as God has a future for you, Satan wants to ruin that future. Yep. There it is. That's right. Wants to ruin that future. 
and you, 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 could, you could be like, my wife was a bus kid. My wife rode the bus to church. Three years old, she started, picking, she started riding a bus to church, and tonight she's a preacher's wife. You have, you have no idea the plans that God has for you. But can I say to you, sir, you got no idea what God has for you either. Can I say to you, sir, how old are you? 71. 340? What? Yeah, right no. <laughs> 71 years of age. Can I tell you, sir, I've known many a person that's got right up to the finish line and quit or turned around or messed up their lives. And whatever future you have left, how about you decide this? Moab is never worth my future. It's never worth it. No way. They lost their future. Not only did they lose their future, not only did they lose their faith. Look at this. Look at what your Bible says. Your Bible says this. In verse number six, she said, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people, giving them what? Read verse six. For she had heard in the country of Moab, right in the middle of the verse, how that the Lord had visited his people and giving them what? Bread. Bread. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why did they leave Moab? There's no bread. There's no food. There's a famine in the land. And while she's in Moab, she's still looking back saying, there's, there's, no, there's no bread there. Wait, 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 God, there's bread over there now? You know, you know, you know what I learned from reading this Bible? When you are in the mushy middle of the Christian life, you can't enjoy the world and you can't enjoy Christ either. That's right. Wow. Here she was in Moab and many a person has made a decision to say, you know what? I'm out of this church. I'm out of this school. I'm out of this life. I'm out of the independent Baptist church. But one of these days you're going to hear how there's still bread down at the church house. Guess what? If you leave next week, you're going to hear about somebody else got saved and somebody else got baptized and somebody else got right with God. And I'm going to tell you, because that's what the devil does. Remember Lot's wife, the Bible says, because you know why she turned back? Because she had got out of Sodom, but Sodom had never gotten out of her heart. And so she had a desire. And you and I tonight, when we look for the world or we look to complacency or we look to our own selfish ways, we're going to be stuck in the middle because we can never be lost again, but we'll never get to enjoy the Christian life that we should enjoy it. They lost their focus. Not only did they lose their focus, but oh, so it gets worse and worse. Verse number 13, she lost her favor. She lost her favor. At the end of that verse, it says, it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Don't miss this point right here. If you miss everything else, don't you miss this point right here. She said, I lost my favor. Do you, do you, I believe some of, many of our church members don't understand how favored we have been by the Lord. You've been favored by the Lord. Do you know if you've got a job that pays your bills, you've been favored by the Lord. Do you know if you've got a husband that loves you and has worked hard to try to take care of you, you've been favored. Do you know you've got a wife that loves you and has been faithful to you? God has favored you. Do you know, man, I talk to people all the time and I preach in these Christian schools. But man, some of the times, I'm telling you, I'd rather preach on the death row in the penitentiary than preach in some of these Christian schools. You know why? Because some of them have no idea how they've been favored. And I said, if you've got a mom and dad that sit with you in church that love the Lord, you have been favored. And you say, I haven't been favored. Well, let me take you to the homes of some people I know where dad's a drunkard, where mama's so coked out she doesn't know what day of the week it is, where mama's so addicted to painkillers that she couldn't care if we kidnapped the kids for three months, she'd barely notice it. They would be glad to switch places with some of you because you have been favored by the Lord. Do you, do you know God has favored you in giving you a pastor that preaches the word of God? Amen. That's good. Do you know God has favored you that you have a pastor that will visit you? Say, I don't know about that. You can go to some of these other churches where you've got to make an appointment three months a time if you want to have a five-minute conversation with a pastor. But you've got a pastor, listen, while we've been on the phone, while we've been today throughout the day, he's received phone calls and answered texts and is rearranging his days. We can go see somebody else in the hospital. And I'm not trying to lift him up. What I am trying to do is get us to understand that we have been favored. 
And because we go down to Moab with our critical spirits or our critical tongues, we allow the devil to begin to drive us out of Bethlehem. He drives us to Moab and we lose the favor of God in the process. You, you go ahead and leave a good, good Bible preaching church like this, but you'll, you'll realize real quick how you had favored because you had a Bible preaching church. There it is. Well, man, sometimes that preacher will say some things I don't like. Listen, he said 14 things today that I didn't like. <laughs> and uh, man, he called me. I won't tell you what he called me. But anyways, well, he said he preached that one message and he preached right at me. Listen, where are we supposed to preach at? The walls? <laughs> We preach to who show up. Well, he got on to my kid that one time, probably because her kid needed to be get on to. And instead of saying, man, thank God that I have a man of God that's standing for my kids. Thank God that I got a man of God who's willing to tell me how that cow really ate that corn and the cabbage. Thank God I've got a youth pastor in my life that's willing to say some things that I don't want to hear. Thank God for the Christian school that's willing to give me down a good path for my life. Thank God for the mom and dad that brought me to church. And instead of complaining, why don't we, and going down to Moab, why don't we say God has favored me? And I'm staying right where I am. Amen. You've been favored. Well, it's hard being, and I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I've ever heard your kid. It's hard being a pastor's kid. You know, it's real hard being a drug dealer's kid, too. Yeah. Wow. Yep. It's many, won't we, have, we can have some people stand up and testify how it was to be a drunkard's kid in here tonight. We can have somebody stand up and talk about, well, yeah, my parents, say, you know, people say I was raised on drugs. I was drug Sunday morning, drug Sunday night, and drug Wednesday night to church. Can I, if that's your testimony here tonight, you were favored. You just don't realize it. Well, they're always making me go to church and I, they're always doing this and doing that. How'd you like to be the son of an abuser? How'd you like to be the son of somebody that once he got his paycheck, he went down to the casinos and gambled his money away? Why don't you just realize that you need to get your attitude right with God and say, you know what? That's no excuse for me going down to Moab because if I go there, I'm going to lose the very things that God favored me with in the first place. You know, those of you that are part of the music ministry here, God has favored you to allow you to do that. You go live for the stinking devil. The world doesn't want to hear your voice. The world doesn't want to hear your song, but you get to sing in there and you get to shout and praise God and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God has favored you with that. Amen. Amen. Not only did she lose her favor, but I believe one of the most tragic things of all. Take a look at verse number 20. And more of losing. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. But look, listen to this. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me home again empty. She lost her fullness. She said, man, I can't tell you what I had inside of me. Man, remember those days when you got saved? I mean, when you first got saved? And there was that hot burning passion inside of you. Remember those days when you first came into the ministry? And it was like, man, I can't, I can't believe I get, I get to do ministry and I get paid for it. I'm like, man, I'd pay you to come up here and let me preach. Remember, man, we got into the ministry and we didn't care whether we were preaching to two or 200. Man, we wanted to pour our heart out and we studied just as much for the two as we did for the 200. Remember that first time where they let you be an usher in church? Nothing matched on you. Your tie was 15 inches too short. Your suit coat, you looked like one of those, you know, trained monkeys wearing a suit. The, the jacket was way too loose. The pants were way too tight. But you didn't care one bit because you were full of the love of Jesus Christ. And you were full of a passion for the Lord. The time they asked you to sing that first special, you got so nervous, man. Your, your mouth felt like the Sahara Desert. 
think I need a fire hydrant. Remember that time that first special got up there and you, your hands shook and you, and you hoped that Brother Rob got the words right on the screen so you wouldn't fumble them up because you forgot everything you ever practiced in your life? But you didn't care because you said, the Lord put a new song in my heart and I just, man, I'm so full right now. And the first time you were asked to give your testimony, I mean, you wrote 37 pages on how you got saved and it should only take 13 seconds. Remember that first time where some of you men, you got asked to share the word of God with somebody. You, asked, you got asked maybe to teach that Sunday school class, and you didn't care that it was a group of first grade boys. Man, you were preparing like you were going to preach for a national pastor's conference. I mean, those kids couldn't, you could have sang Mary Had a Little Lamb, and they would have guessed, oh, that's in the Bible? You didn't care. You know why? Because you were in Bethlehem. And you were so full. Remember when the pastor asked you to lead a ministry or lead a prayer meeting? Remember that first time he said, hey, I want you to work in that sound booth. Me? What? Me? Man, man, tired of me. He said, hey, man, you suddenly got a pretty good voice. You'd like to try out for the, me? You, you, you think I can do that? Remember you used to read the Bible and you were so full and God was like, he was so real to you. He was like, every, every, there's a lady that sings a song, every page I read just says, I love you. Remember that time when you read the Bible and it was like, man, it's a, man, did you, I, I want to tell everybody, man, did you, have you ever heard John 3.16 before? I remember when I memorized it as a kid for Royal Rangers, we were going to the Assembly of God Church and on their, they had buses that picked people up. And I, mean, I remember I was reading John 3, 6, 10. I'm like, why? It's never been, nobody ever told me that verse before. Yeah. And then I started reading the book of John and I'm like, what? Yeah. Man, did you ever read John before? It's unbelievable. Then I started reading Romans and the burden of the law and keeping all these rules was lifted off of my shoulder. Because I said we all fell short and somebody showed me how to be saved and they got to Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. I'm like, can I do that right now? You know why? Because I was full. I was full. Many of us are sitting here tonight and we've enjoyed the songs of God. But beyond that, we're empty. There's no more passion there anymore. Because here's what we think. Because all this sermon long, here's what you've been thinking. Well, you know, I'm probably not going to go drink tonight. I mean, I don't think I need this message. I don't think, I mean, I don't know why a crazy man preached that. But here's what I noticed, Brother Jake. There's more of us tonight living in Moab than what we think because we have a perception in our head about what Moab looks like. We have a perception in our mind of what the Moabite people look like. We have a perception in our mind. We, we, we think we can pick out rebellious teenagers, don't we? We think we can pick, oh yeah, oh yeah, she's struggling. Oh yeah, oh yeah, her. Oh, yeah, him. But my experience in the Christian life is this. Long before you physically go to Moab, something starts right in here. And you have begun to spiritually die. And the only cure for it is a heaven-sent revival. It's the only cure for it. And I'm talking to maybe one or two people in this room tonight. I I have no idea. I have no idea who needs this. I have no idea. But I know this. There may have been somebody that when the week started here, that, that D word, that divorce word was entering into your mind processes. You didn't realize it was Moab, but you, you don't think, here's what you lost. You lost your faith that God is able to take care of you. You lost your faith that God is able to remedy your marriage, didn't you? You lost your faith that God could take care of your future, didn't you? 
There are some of you that at one time you surrendered to God's will for your life, but your, your doubt began to creep in. And in your mind, you, you are on that fence. There are some of you tonight, we've sat here for three services already, and you're right on that edge. You're, you're right where God, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you're on that edge where and you're going to let God break through or not this week. You're right on the edge, no doubt. There's probably people in this room tonight. This, this may be my last Sunday in this church, and I'm going to Moab. There may be some teenager, maybe they're in their junior year or senior year. Maybe they're, uh, uh, you don't say junior and senior around here, do you? Grade 11 or grade 12. And, uh, and, and maybe, you're, maybe you're in grade 6 or grade 7 even. I know some people that I grew up with, they said I knew something happened in the 6th grade. And once that happened, my heart turned aside and I decided at that time, I'm going to Moab. And I'm going to tell you right now, maybe that's why God, I, I have no idea why God wanted me to preach this. I have no idea. But I know this, God is trying to save somebody tonight. There, there are some of you, and, and I'm telling you, your wife doesn't even know that you are spiritually struggling. But you are. Some of you, your husband doesn't know that you are spiritually struggling but if truth be told, if we could look at you right now, you got your bags packed and you're ready to go to Moab. Some of you teenagers, your, your parents, you, you, you got everybody hoodwinked. They don't know. They don't have a clue that your plans. I've, I've, heard, I've heard some of the teenagers that, I mean, revival's broken out when they sang in our church say that nobody knew this, but I had all of my bags packed and was ready to leave as soon as I got back. As soon as I graduated, I'm out of here. I would have looked at the teenager and said, what are you, man, they're singing in the church, they're, they're, they're testifying, they're on a bus route, they get everything together. I had no clue they were looking at Moab. I had no idea. Some of my friends have walked in or given us a phone call and have said, listen, they loved each other at one time and they were pouring all over each other at one time. We had no idea that they were ready to get a divorce. I had no idea that their home was going to split up and now those little babies that they have have to go to one house one weekend and one other house another weekend. I had no idea but i'm listen moab doesn't have a particular look the scripture doesn't tell us i just know this you go there you go there young lady you go there young man you go there preacher you go there sunday school teacher you go there quartet members you go there, ensemble, you go there, you go there, older gentleman in the church, older lady in the church, you go there, new convert, you go there, 50-year member of the church, you go there, and you will lose far more than you will ever win. Can I say to you, there, there may be, and we're done, there may be somebody here who's in Moab, and you know you're in Moab tonight. You know as sure as the day is long, you're not right with the Lord. Things aren't right. They haven't been right in a long time. You may have just walked in here tonight as one, like I did one night in a revival meeting. The pastor's brother said, if you come back tonight, you don't ever have to come again. You may have come tonight just to appease somebody else. You may come because grandma wanted you to come or brother or sister or husband or wife wanted you to come and they had to twist your arm to get here tonight. But can I tell you this? If you're in the country of Moab, there is a Bethlehem Judah still here. And if you'll just come back, here's what you'll get. You'll get your favor back. Here, here's what happened. Her faith came back because there, there was a man in there by the name of Boaz. He, we called him a kinsman redeemer. And she trusted God again. And, and, and God ended up sparing their lives. And God ended up, not only did he spare them again, he gave them a future because of the works of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. Not only did he give them a future back, but he made them laser focused on serving God again. And not only did God focus them again, but God showed them favor again because of Boab. And God said because of Malon and Chilion and Elimelech, God was going to restore all that was taken from their family again. And not only that, they were filled so how do you know they were filled? Because they had a little son named Obed. 
And when that Ark of the Covenant, the power of God, was coming back to Israel, guess where they put that Ark? They put it in the house of Obed. They were full. Not only that, that future we were talking about that you lost, God is able to restore it because they lost their past with Malon and Chilion and Elimelech, but they gained a future because their great-grandson was a man by the name of David. And God said, David, there's going to be somebody on your throne for all, you're going to, I'm going to give you an eternal throne. And if you check Matthew chapter number one and Luke chapter two, not, not only, hey, God restored their future and it went all the way to Jesus Christ himself. So what will it be tonight, church? Will it be Bethlehem, Judah? Those people that shouted tonight, those people that waved their hands, those people that gave glory to God, you know, all we're doing, we're just enjoying bread. We're just enjoying bread. We're rejoicing that there's a house of bread. You know, you could join in revival. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight. We have three groups of people in this room. We have those that are blatantly living in Moab. Can I say to you, if you're in that group tonight, there is a father that is waiting for you just to come home. He's just waiting for you to take that first step and he will run to you. There's a group in here that's in the, that's in, that, man, you're in Bethlehem, you're rejoicing, you're, you're praising God, God's been good to you, you shouted about being saved, maybe a tear escaped your eye. But there may be one or two people in here tonight that are sitting in that middle that God wants to revive. He wants to bring, he wants you to take a look at Moab and see everything you lose. Listen, they used to sing this song, I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain when he calls my name. I tell you, church tonight, Christian, staff member, pastor, teacher, young person, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose in Bethlehem. You have everything to lose and nothing to gain but heartache, tribulation, and bondage. Would you mind the Lord tonight? If he's speaking to your heart, you make your way. So uh, if I go, somebody will think, listen, we're not here to impress each other. We're not here to impress each other. We're here to worship God and serve him and do whatever he tells us to do. You mind the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, you've been good to us tonight. You visited with us. And Father, I have no idea. I have no idea why you wanted me to preach this message. But there, there, maybe there was some young person, some adult, some family that's looking over the fence. They're looking at leaving this church. They're looking at leaving Independent Baptist. They're looking at going to some, Lord, Lord, uh, just a, uh, some, some uh, home situation church. And they're just, I, Lord, I, I have no idea, God, but I know this. I know there's a purpose. And I want you to remind them tonight, some of them, what they have lost or what they will lose by living in Moab. We pray that we would mind you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Let's stand tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The altar's open even now. If God has spoke to your heart, step out and come. <clears throat> Let's do business with God. You know, Brother Allen, Whenever somebody preaches, I, it seems like God gives you another message to preach. When you're just always looking, you know. Let me show you. I'm, I'm not going to preach the whole message. Let me show you what, what God showed me tonight. Elimelech, the Bible says, went to sojourn. That means it was a temporary plan. He wasn't planning on staying, but he died there. I don't imagine if he thought that he'd lose his sons, that he'd made the choice to go there in the first place. He thought, oh, it won't hurt for a little while. We can handle whatever, whatever happens down there in Moab. He thought he was doing what was best for his family. Well, instead, he took him out of Bethlehem, Judah. You might say, well, you know, preacher, I, I got to work the next six Sundays just to get caught up on some bills. Whether you have a reason or an excuse that you miss a service, it still hurts you. Think about that. You, you may think you have a great reason. I'm just trying to put bread on the table for my family. I get that. If you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel, the Bible says. I get that. But whether it's a reason or an excuse, you're still missing church and it's still hurting you. 
And you think, well, it's just, just for a little while. It's just for a little while. No, I'm here to tell you, Elimelech planned on it as a temporary fix. He was just going to sojourn just a little while, just go for a little, just passing through. But he ended up dying there and he lost both his sons. You can't handle it. Because the moment you make that choice to go to Moab, you, you're already headed in the wrong direction. You've already, you're already exhibiting to God that you don't have the wisdom to make good choices. You're better off just staying in Bethlehem, Judah. Absolutely. So let's, let's do business with God. What, what's that thing you thought, well, I can handle it for a little while. What's that thing keeping you out of church? I think God, there's been some people who made some choices to stay in Bethlehem, Judah. Stay by the stuff. Stay faithful. A lady saved a year ago at our revival service is sitting here on the front row. Sunday, her little girl sang in church. That wouldn't have happened if she said, I'm going to Moab. Her little boy's here at church on a Monday night, a school night. That wouldn't have happened if she went to Moab. Every day, we got to fight that urge. You think you can handle it? No. Elimelech, for all accounts, he might have been a godly man. We don't know. But he made a choice saying, well, this is what's best for my family. I bet there was others that said, no, don't go down to Moab. He thought he could handle it for a little while. Let's get our hearts right with God. Maybe there's one here tonight said, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. You're already in the world. Lost without a savior, you need Jesus Christ. Step out and come. It wasn't until they came back to Bethlehem, Judah, that they met Boaz. Do you know Jesus? We can help you with that tonight. Maybe you were looking at that choir and saying, why are they up there so happy? Why are they raising their hands? Why are they excited that Jesus saves? I'm telling you, because he's real. That ensemble saying, I got saved. I still remember the day that Jesus saved me. And I've never been the same. Maybe you don't understand that tonight. They said, well, I prayed a little prayer. I made a decision. No, no, no. We're talking about life-changing transformation of the heart because Jesus Christ moved in and took over. A lot of these treat Jesus like he's a hitchhiker. You come right along with me, but I'm in control of the car and I'm going where I want to go. No, no, no. Give him the wheel. Let him take control. Do you know Jesus tonight? Step out and come right now. We want to help you. We want to take a... I'm not going to show... Listen, I won't even say, well, here's what I believe. Here's some piece of paper with an outline on it, gospel track. No, no, we'll take God's holy word and show you what Jesus says, how you can be born again. We'd like to help you with that. We'll make it as comfortable as we can. A lady with a lady, a man with a man will answer any questions you have, but you step out. Listen, don't you go to hell for anybody. Step out and come right now. I won't, I won't tarry long. I understand it's late. Some kids got to go to school tomorrow. I get that. But I'd hate to leave here thinking somebody was thinking if they just played one more verse, I'd have gone. If they sang one more song, if they prayed one more prayer, maybe I would have given in. You come. I was sharing with Brother Paul what happened on Ron's 75th birthday. Ron is one of our special men in a wheelchair, sits over here, amens the choir every week. Even when the choir stunk, he amened them. He just loves church. I wish him a happy 75th birthday. I made a kind of a big deal about it, you know, because he's, he's, he's a special guy. I said, and he, and he said, yeah, 75. I said, Ron, do you want to say anybody? Think, do you remember what he said? Jesus loves me. He's got it right here. He may not understand a lot of things that you understand, but he knows Jesus. And you can know him too. Are you saved? Some are still praying. You're praying. Hey, don't let this moment pass you by. 
I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I watched for years as this woman came to an altar and prayed for him. Now he's saved. Praying for his mom who's got a cancer scare going on. That's a brand new story. That's what Jesus can do. He can change your life. But you got to trust him. Don't leave here. How about you, Christian? Some of you got one foot in Moab right now. Love not the world. Know the things that be in the world. The love of the world is enmity with God. And there's some in the world is such a terrible place. The Bible talks about it often, yet for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Pay the price for your sins. If you need to sit, you go ahead and sit. We're, we're gonna let these folks finish praying. Whatever you need to do. fount of every blessing to thine heart to sing thy grace the ensemble sang part of that last verse tonight or the choir did sorry oh to grace how great a debtor what a great hymn if you sat down let's stand back up if you're if you're able if you're not able that's fine let's sing this let's sing this tonight in closing Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streets of mercy ever ceasing all for songs of His praise. Teach me to understand we sing those words and we don't always know what they mean here I raise my Ebenezer that Ebenezer was a stone it was a marking that said I won't go back maybe somebody tonight came out of Moab you don't want to go back you don't want to go back to the world let's sing that song here I raise my Ebenezer a commitment to God that I'm not going back here I raise my Good night, hadn't it? Amen.
We're we'll looking forward to a couple more nights, and I hope you'll come, pray with us, pray for us, and uh, we're looking forward to God doing some great things. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. I want you to remember Jennifer Wilbanks. Uh, I came out, uh, I was sneaking off to my office before the service, and she's in the side room taking um, nitro. And uh, she, I said, you maybe shouldn't go up the stairs into the choir loft and stuff. You'll get dizzy or whatever. And she says, I'm singing. I said, all right. And she did, and then they had to take her home. And so she's not feeling too well tonight with chest pains. And so remember Jennifer Wilbanks. I know she'd appreciate that as well. Of course, we've got many others we're praying for. So let's remember them as well. Father, we love you. We thank you again for your goodness to us. Father, we pray that you challenge our hearts with thy Holy Spirit's power through the word tonight. Lord, don't let anybody rest till they make a decision. Father, each one of us have a decision to make doesn't matter where we are. Maybe it's to come out of Moab. Maybe it's to accept Christ as Savior. Maybe it's just to put up that stone, Ebenezer, Lord, saying, I'm not going back there. I've been there, and it's, it's fake. It's phony. All that glitters is not gold. But Lord, we have the Lord Jesus Christ right here, if we'll just trust him and follow him. So, Father, I pray that you take us home, bring us back again tomorrow night. Use your preacher. May the... Praise and worship, Lord, bring much honor to your name. And Father, we're looking forward to a great time in the house of God, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Fellowship as long as you like. You are dismissed.